And our focus is going to be loving nature and loving the creator. So this is week three. That means there's only 25 more weeks to go. <laughs> Hopefully the, your time at reflecting back on God's storyline in your life has been productive. But after two weeks of that, many of us are ready to move forward. So turning our attention to the creation. The Bible is very clear that uh, as we can look at creation and get an idea of who God is. And so I hope you can really step into this and really pay attention to the things around you. It doesn't matter if you go really, really small and try and comprehend the size of a cork or whether you go really, really big and try and figure out how, how much a light year is, you know. So we can go either way there. Um, to enter this week, though, I want to um, just put a couple thoughts in your head and, and one image. And the, the idea is that the Bible not only tells us that we can know God through creation, but it also warns us that it's very, very difficult to comprehend him. Here in Ephesians, it says you have to have strength to comprehend. You have to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That one always got me. You know, how do you know something that surpasses knowledge? But that's who our God is. And, of course, even if you get a tiny grasp of who he is, then he can do abundantly beyond what we ask or think. So you don't really have a chance. Um, I want to hit a few more slides uh, because Paul also says that when we attempt to understand God, it surpasses us. So that's the one word I want to put in your head for the week is how creation surpasses our ability to comprehend it. It surpasses the greatness of the revelation. They're surpassing power, surpassing grace, love that surpasses knowledge, surpassing worth of knowing Christ, and peace that su surpasses all understanding. See the theme there? We honor a big God, and hopefully this week we can really step into that. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if we actually had a real example of how God's love surpasses what we can comprehend. So just take a, I'm going to try and give you one just through pictures. So I'm going to be quiet, and Christy's just going to march these through. There's the Church of the Resurrection, okay? I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 0. Hey, son, before you create the humans, you'll need to give them a place to live. They won't be completely like us, so for them, matter will matter. Ah, Father, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, Trinity, right? <clears throat> In fact, Bishop Stewart will continually remind them of that. And Ignatius will remind them that all of creation is a gift to them. Ah, son, I knew you were going to say that. Christy, go to the next one. So for the humans, they're going to need an earth, a bright light by day, and a lesser light at night. But be generous. Ah, Father, <laughs> I will give them, okay, I will give them a visible and real example of how our love surpasses their ability to grasp it just as our creation surpasses their ability to comprehend it. Their only response can be awe and wonder 
and praise to the Creator God. Christy's going to queue up a video for us, and this week we will be inviting you into uh, a deeper contemplation of nature, and one of the ways that we do that is not only with our eyes, but with our ears. So I hope you enjoy this TED Talk. Such a beautiful example of someone who's uh, given their entire professional life to contemplating nature. And so much of it is simply being attentive at, a, at deeper and deeper level, levels. So let me introduce to you the week of prayer that's ahead. For us, if you have your Transformation Intensive Notebook, we're on page 28. Movement 1, week 3, Loving Nature, Loving the Creator. So this week we have two primary prayer exercises that we're doing. Um, the first is to pray with a handful of psalms. So you'll see the psalms listed there. And you'll use your the same method of scripture, study, uh, prayer, praying with scripture that we've used before, praying with scripture, but using uh, these psalms. And uh, my hope is that it will open up your imagination to the nature imagery that's in the Bible. Um, Christy has an interesting quote here um, from William Berry um, about the Bible and nature. Um, I don't think it, it is enough appreciated how much an outdoor book the Bible is it is best read and understood outdoors, and the farther outdoors, the better. Or that has been my experience of it. Passages that within walls seem improbable or incredible, outdoors seem merely natural. This is because outdoors we are confronted everywhere with wonders. You may start noticing as you read scripture, how many of the events that are recorded in the stories happen outside, and how many of, uh, so much so much of the context um, is, the, is in the out of doors. So this week is different than all the other weeks in that we're actually asking you, if possible, to pray outside. Um, it could be that the weather will make that difficult for you, but it can't be any more difficult for you than it was for me when I prayed with this in February. Um, <laughs> So take these psalms uh, with you into your prayer space and then outside. Uh, something that was really fascinating to me when I took a look at these and reviewed this today is how often that the psalmists are using um, a present tense when they talk about um, nature. And this is a, a really um, basic principle that we're trying to get to, that when we talk about creation, I think we're often caught up in sort of the, the controversies surrounding the beginnings of the universe, you know, like creation versus evolution. And so because of that conflict, we kind of think as creation is something that happened back then, you know, Genesis chapter 1, and we don't think of creation as something that is, that is ongoing. And that's the reality that we are being invited to, into right now. 
um, is creation that um, speaks of the love, the power, the creativity of God in the present moment. So, for example, we'll meditate on Psalm uh, 65. A few verses here, just notice the present tense in these verses. And this is really the psalmist talking to God about creation. Um, it's, it's a prayer reflecting back to God what the person sees in creation. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. Um, it's not past tense, it's present tense. And so my invitation to you as you meditate on these psalms is to start to open your imagination to God's creative work in the present moment, this ongoing work of creation that's around us all the time. Um, this um, idea of God's continual creation was quite important to Ignatius. He's trying to capture this idea that um, the risen Christ is central to this ongoing uh, creation, that we're actually encountering uh, Christ who is at the beginning of creation, who will and is all through uh, creation even into this present moment. Um, and this is very helpful to help us just feel ourselves as God's beloved creatures. Yes, we have God's story in the timeline of our life, maybe our salvation history, but the mere fact of our existence, that we were knit together in our mother's womb and that we are continually held in existence and propelled on to the desires that God has for us as his sons and daughters. This is all a part of God's creative work. The second prayer exercise actually involves going outside and learning how to pray in nature. Um, if you go to your prayer resource section on page 7, let me read you the first couple of pages of that exercise, and then you can practice it more carefully, read it more carefully um, as you begin this week. To meditate on creation simply means to focus our awareness on the created world around us through our senses. Sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. It is an ideal way to get a, it, it is ideal to get away from the noise of the city or the suburbs and worth the extra effort to find a place that feels set apart from the, from the bustle of daily life. However, it is possible to enter into this meditation anywhere, on a park bench, at a sidewalk, sidewalk cafe, on the balcony of an apartment building, or even in our own backyards. Uh, it involves shifting our focus away from the inner space of our thoughts to an awareness of things that are other than us. When we meditate on creation, we feel our own creatureliness more keenly, and we make room for the love and presence of the creator to break into our conscious awareness. It is a way of reverencing God's presence in all things. In addition, the purpose of this exercise is to help us grow in our capacity to notice this interior shift between focus on the self and focus on the other. The ability to shift one's attention from the self towards the other is foundational to all our interpersonal relationships, including one's relationship with God, and really central to the meaning of prayer. 
I like to compare this um, prayer exercise to something that I'm imagining some of you have probably been introduced to do. Uh, how about exercises for strengthening your core? Has anybody ever heard of that? Right? So uh, the first time I was introduced to this, it was a video, which was not helpful at all. You know, because they're like, well, you can't really see this, but you can kind of feel it, and it seemed a little obscure. But the core muscles are these muscles in the abdomen, they're in the in the pelvis, that that in our torso that just kind of hold us upright. And if you read someone who's trying to sell you on the value of core exercises, they'll say, this is good for everything. You know, everything will be easier if you have a strong core. Because it's right, it's right in the center of your being. You use it to, to stand and to sit and to breathe and to lift and to do just about everything. Um, this work in prayer of paying attention to when we're focused inward and when we're focused outward and being able to shift that at will is like a core exercise for prayer. Um, to have a relationship with God, you have to be able to turn away from the self to the other. And we can actually practice this before we try to bring it into our spirituality directly. We can indirectly practice by turning our focus outward towards creation. And so this meditating on creation exercise, one, yes, will help you reverence nature, to feel close to nature, to be in touch with your own embodied experience, but it will also help you develop these core skills of paying attention to the other. And I think you'll find that it comes in handy in all our relationships as well. Um, I'm sure you, all of you have had the experience of uh, being in a situation where you know you're not really listening or present to the other person or that that person is not listening or present to you. Um, it takes a deliberate movement within our souls to pay attention um, to the other. Um, this is also very helpful just for the peace that we require and need and to try to manage our, um, our thoughts and anxiety and really create what you might call like a mental culture that makes room, um, room for God. Uh, this past weekend, I, was, I went on a silent retreat at a place called Christ in the Wilderness in uh, northeastern Illinois. It has just three little hermitages, and you can't see the other hermitage from your hermitage. And the whole idea is that there's no conversation with another person while you're on this retreat. So the nun who runs the place meets you in the parking lot, your car, park your car, you put her your stuff in her little ATV, she motors you up to your hermitage, and then... You know, she dropped me off on Thursday afternoon, and she said, I'll see you on Sunday morning. Incredible gift. The first time I did this, I was really, it was a little scary to me to think that I was going to be, you know, 72 hours uh, all by myself. And now, like, 72 hours isn't really enough. I would love to have a little more than that. Um, but I, I used this praying with creation exercise to uh, help me with a very concrete problem that I had, and that was right before I left on retreat, um, I had a conversation with someone that left me really unsettled, and so I was totally preoccupied with that conversation, and I was like, you know, I really don't want to, like, run this over in my head for three days, you know, like, I came up here to get away 
how am I going to quiet my mind down so that I can actually pray, read scripture, listen to God, journal, do all the things I'd hoped to do when I was here. Um, so um, I brought my iPhone, which did not get service up there, by the way. So there was no email, no phone calls, no texts, which is also a good thing. But I do have this little meditation timer on my phone. There are um, a number of things out there. If you want to go to an app store, you'll find them. Most of them are Eastern, but it's the timer is the main, is the main thing that works. So I, I did this simple experience of turning my, my gaze outward. And to make sure that I stayed on track, I would just set my, first time I did it, I set my timer for five minutes. And um, there was a, uh, the leaves were just beginning to fall. And there was one bright red colored uh, red leaf. I'm not even sure what tree it was from, but it had just sort of fallen conveniently in front of me. And so I spent those five minutes just looking at that leaf and feeling it and smelling it and just being present to it. And every time I felt my mind going back to that thing I was preoccupied with, I'd go, oh, okay, and then I would come back. So within the course of five minutes, I probably you know, shifted 10 times back to the thing I didn't want to think about <laughs> and came back to the leaf. But after doing that a couple of times, my whole anxiety level was going down. And then I could go to 10 minutes, and I could go to 20 minutes. And that, in some ways, it, it, was, it was a meditation, it was a way of prayer, but even more than that, it was a preparation for the kind of prayer that I did when I finally, you know, lit my candle and opened my journal and my Bible. I had started to flex these muscles again so that I could be attentive to the other, uh, to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God as I was in prayer. So... Um, I encourage you to just experiment with this, have fun with it. It should be really relaxing. It should not be a chore. And you can do it anywhere. You don't need a whole hour. You know, if you can make it to a forest preserve or the arboretum or something, treat yourself. <laughs> just treat yourself. Don't think of it as a chore. Treat yourself. Uh, finally, I want to invite you into a revolutionary, revolutionary way of thinking about God's creation as God's special gift to you personally. When I was introduced to this uh, prayer exercise in the middle of February, um, when I first heard this, I have to say I was a little taken aback. It seemed kind of narcissistic to me. Like all of creation, for me, I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, really? And then we packed up. We got the dogs in the car. It was a snowy day. No one else was around, so we took the dogs off the leash. They did not need anyone to tell them that that entire day, that entire snowstorm and the entire forest preserve was just for them. <laughs> they joyfully reveled in the gift. And so to receive creation as God's personal gift to us is actually to come back to that more childlike um, simple, almost to our animality as human beings, to receive creation as God's gift to us. Okay, uh, two other resources for this week. First of all, um, 
if you go back to the main section, I guess we're on page 28. Um, so this is page 30. I've included Clyde Kilby's 10 resolutions for mental health. And I hope if you need a little inspiration to get out there in nature, that you will uh, read these. Um, you might want to pray that you might want to like put them in your prayer journal to let them soak in. Uh, here's a the first one is so beautiful. At least once a day, I shall look steadily up at the sky and remember that I, a consciousness with a conscience, am on a planet traveling in space with wonderfully mysterious things above and about me. So enjoy that. Um, the second is an article. This is in your um, prayer resource uh, your article section, you don't need to look at it right now. Uh, it's listed here where to find it. It's by um, a Jesuit named Walter Berghart, A Contemplation, A Long Loving Look at the Real. It's a fairly old article. It was written in 1989, but it is about the best thing I know to bring into focus how hard it is for us living in the age in which we live to be contemplative people who are really attentive to the world around us and to one another. So I think it's just superb. It's not an easy read. It's not a quick read. Uh, if for some reason it just does nothing for you, you know, don't kill yourself over it, but I highly recommend it to you. And then the last uh, piece of uh, paper I want to draw your attention to is in the prayer section, and this is on page 15 of the prayer resources. Um, pardon me, it's page 17, called The First Principle and Foundation. In the manuscript of the spiritual exercises, this little meditation comes first. And some people have tried to turn it into like a spiritual exercise in and of itself. But really, what it is, is a way of uh, framing the whole work that we're doing during this first movement of the spiritual exercises. We'll teach more on it later, but for now, I would encourage you just to read it, familiarize yourself with it, and you'll see the, the connections uh, right away. Um, all the things in this world were created because of God's love, and they become a context of gifts presented to us that we can know God more easily and make a return of love more readily. So this principle and foundation and this prayer and prayer with nature goes to go together. All right, before we move into a prayer exercise, I want to make just one more comment. Um, George Ridgway and I had this conversation, I think at boot camp maybe when we, we were in the city doing boot camp, and we both remarked how when we started the spiritual exercises, um, that we came into it thinking that we kind of really already knew all this stuff. Um, for me, I won't speak for George, but for me, I, I feel like I brought a lot of hubris to the spiritual exercises. Uh, I was 48. I'd been in ministry for over 20 years. I had an advanced degree. Um, I just felt like it took me a long time to just let, let down my defenses and admit that these ways of praying were, ta were taking me somewhere that I hadn't been before. Um, but it just, 
I just felt like I wasted a lot of time with that hubris, with that pride in the way. So if, if you notice that, you know, it's not like you have to get mad at yourself about it and try to beat yourself up over it, but just acknowledge it to the Lord. You know, I'm just having trouble receiving this humbly, and I need your grace. Uh, I think that's, that's a great way to go. All right, so put everything down, and we will do a prayer exercise together. Sometimes this is just called palms up, palms down. And I'll tell you what we're going to do, and then we'll walk you through it. Um, let me give you this quote from Ignatius of Loyola. He has quite a bit to say about the body and how the body is a part of our prayer. So here's, a, uh, here's from the fourth edition. Um, I will enter the prayer kneeling, laying prostrate on the ground, faced upwards, seated, standing, but always intent on what I want. When I find what I want, I will settle down without any anxiety to move on until I am satisfied. What he's doing here is just giving you permission to change your body posture in a way that will help you to pray. So if it helps you to stand, <coughs> stand or to walk, to sit, to kneel, to lay on the ground, Whatever helps, that's what you want to do. So rather than forcing yourself into what you think might be expected, listen to your body a little bit and see if it maybe will give you some guidance um, about better ways for you to pray. Um, sometimes when I'm really desperate in prayer, uh, I will, like, try all of the above, you know, until uh, something feels better than something else um, and, and stick there. It's not magic. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you do, you still don't feel connected, and that's okay too. All right, so let me tell you how this prayer experience will go. Um, we're going to start um, with two minutes of silence, and I'm going to actually ask you to, like, cross your arms, you know, in this, like, I'm not very open to you, <laughs> that posture, you know, you're always a little concerned, unless it's cold and people are just trying to stay warm, you're always a little worried when people are, like, crossing their arms and leaning back like this. So we're going to do that for two minutes, and then I'm going to give you um, 30 seconds, and I want you to actually just put your palms, um, palms down on your legs, and um, just stay there for 30 seconds with your palms down. And then I'll say palms up, and then you switch, and you lay your hands, palms up, on your lap. That'll last another 30 seconds. Then I'll do about 10 seconds, 10 seconds each with palms down, 10 seconds each with palms up. And as, as that's happening and you change your body posture, um, notice how your body feels, how you feel emotionally, what happens to the quality of your thoughts, and if you have any felt sense of the presence of God, you know, is there one position that works better than others? So um, let's do that. If for the, I know some of you love to cross your legs, but for this experience, just put your both feet flat on the floor, okay? And cross your arms. And we're going to do that for two minutes, and then we'll move to palms down.
Don't forget to breathe. Open yourself to the presence of God. Allow yourself to be looked at by the Lord. Look at God looking at you as you look at him. Now place your hands, palms down on your thighs. Palms down on your thighs. Continue breathing. Now turn your palms upward. Palms down. Palms up. Palms down. Palms up. Amen. Welcome you to make your way in silence to your listening groups.